1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 17. Would you stand as we read God's word together today? These are the words of the Apostle Paul and a fascinating chapter, by the way. I don't know if I've ever preached out of 1 Corinthians chapter 7. It's a, it's a great chapter. He's also speaking to you and me, though. These words apply just as much to us as it does to the Corinthian church. He says, nevertheless, each one should retain the place in life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is the rule I lay down in all the churches. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for these words. Help us to understand exactly what Paul is talking about when he says these words. How much they apply to our life and those around us, those that we know and love. In Christ's name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Today's message is entitled, Living Single in a Double World. Living Single in a Double World. Now that title, I made that, it sounds like a cheeseburger to me, uh, single in a double. But it occurred to me in the last few weeks as I've been sharing about relationships, and as I said last week, for example, everything in life is relationships. Anything of any importance in life is relationships. It's not money, it's not finances, uh, it's not strategies or, or careers or anything else. It's first and foremost relationships. And you can have all those other things, and if your relationships are terrible, your life is going to be miserable, and God would even say pointless if you have no relationship with him. I thought in the middle of that, it might be important or was important to share with you a word about being single. Now, normally when we talk about relationships and preachers, we are uh, the most guilty of this, we gravitate toward marriage relationships. But there are more relationships in life than just marriage. And I did tell you in the last two weeks that those things that I said apply equally uh, to our relationship with our boss or our neighbor or our friends or our family members, not necessarily to marriage, even though I spoke a lot about marriage. Living single in a double world. And I have this picture because sometimes you feel that way, do you not? Single people, you feel a little bit left out. It might surprise you that one of the largest segments of our nation today is not an ethnic group or a political party. It is single adults. Did you know that 46.4% of United States adults are single according to the U.S. Census Bureau, and that's people 18 and above. If you factor in the rest of teenagers that are single, then that's more than half of the U.S. population that is single. 117 million unmarried Americans over the age of 18. This includes those who are divorced or widowed, as well as those who have never been married. Being single is not always easy. But if you are single, you're not alone. We'll talk about that in just a moment, but I do want to begin this by sharing with you the, the elephant in the room. There is a stigma in our culture about being single. If you look with me in our passage for today, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, in fact, Paul devotes the bulk of chapter 7 to this issue of being single. He has a lot to say about it interesting things to say about it. We're going to begin in verse 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Now, for the, for the matters that you wrote about, it is good for a man not to marry. 
But since there is so much immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. Now, I want you to notice two things in that brief passage of two verses. First, he says in verse one that he is responding to their questions. Apparently, the church in Corinth had either written Paul a letter with a whole bunch of questions over issues that had come up in the church. And as you know, the church in Corinth had a lot of issues and they didn't know how to proceed with some of them. So he wrote, they wrote him or they sent a messenger to him with their questions. Either way, Paul received their questions. And one of those was about marriage. Now here's the rub. There were members of the church who had come to faith in Christ that had been Jewish or that had been Greek, one or the other, and they, they were redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. They're saved. But their spouse did not convert. Their spouse was still worshiping the Greek or Roman gods. Their spouse was still Jewish and rejected the divinity of Jesus Christ. And so they're asking Paul, apparently, what do we do? Our spouses won't come to church with us. They don't partake in this faith that we have uh, received from Christ. They're not a part of the kingdom. Should I leave my spouse and find somebody who's a Christian? Now, Paul's going to go on to say, no. If your spouse is willing to stay in that marriage, even though you're a believer and they're not a believer, you stay faithful to them, whether they're your husband or wife. And so I think that was the heart of, of what they asked of Paul. Having said that, Paul then shares a little bit of testimony here about his marital status as a single individual. He places singleness very high on the scale of what is admirable in this world, much higher than our culture does. In fact, being single is sometimes misunderstood by people who aren't single and you hear statements. I heard statements. I was not married till I was 34. I was a young man, but it was an old bachelor. And especially when I hit 30, my family, I won't say they flipped out, but they were deeply concerned about what was wrong with me. They didn't know what was wrong with me. It perplexed them, but they knew something was wrong with me because if I was normal, I would be married. Single people, do you ever hear that? If you haven't, young people, you will. The older you get, the more there will be pressure put on you to get married, not for your sake, for their sake, because they're just frankly uncomfortable with the fact that you're single, your relatives and friends and everybody you know. It's funny in life, we want everybody to be as we are, wherever we are. If we're happy, we want them to be happy. If we're miserable, they want them, we want them to be miserable. If we're single, we want them to be single. If we're married, we want them to be married. It's just how we are. So it's, it's a little odd in our culture. People will ask, well, why aren't they married? What's wrong with them? Because again, if there's nothing wrong with them, obviously they'd be married like me. Maybe they'd like me to set them up with someone. That's probably what they want. Did you know in 2013, there was a survey done by a publication called Christian Single, and it said that at least 40% of singles, just under half, between the ages of 30 to 60, felt that there is, quote, a presumption that there must be something wrong with them because they are single, end quote. The survey also showed that, in particular, the disappointment of being single caused them to doubt 
that God has a plan for their lives. Now, here's the thinking. I'm single. My friends have indicated to me that's not normal, that's not right. And because I'm out of God's plan, clearly, because if I was in God's plan, I would be married. Because I'm out of God's plan, I'm not sure that God has a plan for me in my life. That's the bad theology of the week, by the way. Nowhere in the Bible does it indicate that. It's funny how we think as a culture. Now, again, young single people, if you're not married yet, and this applies to people who have never been married, those in high school and college, it applies to those who are divorced and you've, you've been married, but you're no longer married. It applies to widows and widowers in here today, and we have a number of you here. And so half, a good half of this congregation is single. Maybe you feel like these young, this young lady as she's talking to her friends. Watch this clip. He'd be such a good fit for you. I don't know. I've talked to him and I'm just not that interested. We're going to find you a good Christian man. Yeah. Oh, you really don't have to do that. Oh my gosh, Brent. He's a financial advisor for Wells Fargo. He brags about it a little bit. But... Yeah. And he's also on the treasury board for the church. Yeah. That means he cares about the Lord's money. I actually tried to talk to him after church last Sunday and we literally talked about Excel spreadsheets. My gosh, y'all have talked? Isn't he so smart? Listen. I know what it's like to be young and single yeah, and in hard. the church. Okay, I didn't meet Jeff until I was 18 years old. What? Okay, yeah. And those that. three months in between him and my other boyfriend were mm -hmm. the hardest three months of my life. I get you out of this single face. Yeah. yeah. You just have to find you someone, okay. anyone, anyone, as long as they're Christian and mm -hmm. go to church, that'll be good enough. I'm fine. I don't mind being single. <laughs> okay. I'm not in a huge rush. What? what? No, you should be in a rush, okay? You don't want to spend the next five to ten years of your life not married. <laughs> Until you are evenly yoked with your husband, you'll be unevenly yoked to the world. Oh my gosh, yes. Amen. Oh, Kevin. Oh my gosh, perfect. Oh, gosh, no. He's never looked me in the eyes. True. I was like, Okay, true. He's technically never spoken to a woman. Yeah, but he volunteers for communion every Sunday. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh, Tyler. <gasps> He's a lead vocalist in the worship band. And all he does is play guitar. You know, mm. I've... I have never seen him not on stage. Yeah, but when he sings Oceans, I cry. I cry. Oh. You know who you could love? Derek. Oh, yes. Isn't he dating Laura? No, they actually broke up two days ago. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I see him with Claire like all the time. Oh, they're just oh, talking. Yeah. He's actually talking to uh, Claire and, and Tiffany. Tiffany. But yeah. you could be the one he more than talks yeah. to. Yeah. Michael! <gasps> yeah, Michael. sure, he thinks you're in love with him after you've only <laughs> talked um, to him one time. But that's the end goal anyways. <laughs> no. <laughs> Bill? Oh, he's so... Fatherly? No, that's not his child. He's always holding someone else's child. It's like, what is he trying to prove? Uh, that he's a good, good father. <laughs> yeah. What about Ken? He's looking at you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what? Are you kidding me? What's happening? Excuse oh, me, oh, excuse yes. me, everybody. This is my friend Liz, and she oh. is the most eligible bachelorette I have ever met. Guys, she is desperate. I'm not. Right. Alone. Right. I'm fine. She will literally date anyone. Guys, she will date you. 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 Do you have a brother? She'll date both of you. We just have to get you married so you can be blissfully happy. You know, maybe you've been single for so long <laughs> because God is trying to teach you something. Okay. How are your marriages? Huh? Yeah, it's 
I remember that. I distinctly remember that. People treated my singleness like a disease. Now, my wife is here, and I'm so glad I'm married. Sorry, single people, but I'm very happily married. But I do remember being single and how people thought of this idea that I was single, particularly in my 30s. And a lot of them saw it as a very detrimental thing. But that's not how it's seen in the Bible at all. Be aware that people have their own plans for you. This world certainly has its own plans for you, but only God's plans matter. Keep in mind that there were many godly singles in the Bible. In fact, some of the most, if not the most famous people in the Bible were single. Jesus himself, of course, never married. John the Baptist was single. The widow Anna was single. Daniel was single. Jeremiah was single, never married. Elijah was single. Naomi, Mary Magdalene was single. Mary and Martha, the sisters of Lazarus, were both single ladies. Uh, Miriam, Dorcas, Lydia, the four unmarried daughters of Philip, mentioned in Acts chapter 21, were single, as well as the apostle Paul. A lot of single people in the Bible. So today I want to look at just a few biblical characteristics of being single. First, I want us to see the blessings of being single. The blessings of being single. Look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Our passage for today, we're going to look in verse 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 6 through 9. Paul says this. I say this as a concession, not as a command. I wish that all men were as I am. But each man has his own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. Now to the unmarried and to the widows, I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I am. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Now let me say that most of the time when Paul talks about the reasons for getting married in this particular chapter, it has to do with passion. If you can't control yourself, get married. <laughs> and if you can control yourself, then it certainly don't get married. Well, young people, I want you to know there's more to marriage than just that. There is a closeness that you have in marriage in this bond that you have in marriage that's wonderful. Even long after a physical relationship happens in a marriage, if you outgrow that, there is, there's, you're, you're one flesh with your spouse. And that means something emotional and relational and even spiritually, you are connected to one another. And so that's a wonderful thing. Paul tended to see in this passage the physical attributes of being married, the the emotional, relational, sexual aspects of being married. And the reason was he's speaking to the church in Corinth. Now, Corinth was a godless, godless city. As you know, if you've studied the Bible at all, the Corinthians had a, a temple up on their, uh, their, their Acropolis. And in this temple, there were, they say, as many as a thousand priests, priestess prostitutes that worked there. And so both men and women prostitutes, by the way. And if you wanted to go worship, you went up onto the Acropolis to the temple to get your prostitute and do your worshiping. So a lot of really religious people in that town because that's how they would worship. 
Paul realizes this, this is such an immoral community and an immoral culture. He, 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 he's sharing with it on a level that they can understand. It's a sex-crazy world, he was saying, that you live in. And so here's what you need to do. If that's what interests you, then you definitely need to get married. Don't go up and worship somewhere else. Don't be tempted to do that. You get married. Now, Paul had no idea what the 21st century would be like. That this culture is far more immoral than any culture in the first century. And so he's, he says that in that context, and as we talk about the blessing of being single, the other thing you want to see to this is, I wish that all men were as I am. Uh, by the way, it's important to note this. In the New Testament, when it refers to single Christians, it's referring to those who are not married and celibate. That is, they're not in a physical relationship with somebody that was hard for them to comprehend in Corinth. And it is difficult for our culture in, first, in 21st century United States to comprehend that as well. It is, in most circles in our nation, considered just an assumption that if you're in a dating relationship with somebody, you are in a physical relationship with them too. And that's okay. Only it's not okay. Bible says, no. Paul says there are, in the kingdom, there are to be only two classifications, married or celibate. Married or celibate. Now, the world had other classifications, but in the kingdom, there are to be married or you're to be celibate. And so he describes it that way. And then he refers to his celibacy, his, the fact that he's not married, as a gift. Did you notice that? He says in verse 7, I wish that all men were as I am, but each man has his own gift from God. One has this gift and another has that gift. And he says, other people have other gifts. I get that. You may not have the gift of celibacy and singleness. Paul says, but I do. It's a gift. Now, here's the thing. When I was single, I hated hearing that. I resented that. Not so much from Paul, but from everybody else. Oh, you have the gift of singleness. Oh, thank you. It, it always sounded so patronizing to me. Oh, thanks. Like it's a consolation prize. It's a gift. It's okay. I especially resented married preachers telling me uh, uh, how, what a gift my singleness was. That said, I want to share with you, your singleness is a gift and I'm married. But <laughs> But I remember that. I don't want to hear that from married guys that I have the gift. It sounds like a consolation prize, but I assure you, Paul did not intend it as such. Some of you have a different gift, but if you have the gift of singleness, the gift of celibacy, Paul says there are tremendous advantages to that. It's not a curse. That's for sure. There's nothing wrong with you. And you are most certainly, by the way, not incomplete. Paul and many others found their completeness in Christ. Even though they were single, they experienced the blessings of God just like any believer, each according to their faith. Now, if you feel that there's something missing, that may be a, 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 an emotional thing, a relational thing, and God designed us that way from the time of Adam. But it wasn't that he was incomplete. 
Spiritually, it was emotionally and relationally. God created us as social beings. And so that's understandable, but don't get that confused, that emotional, relational part of you. Don't get that confused with the spiritual part of you because spiritually, if there's completeness in Christ, you are not lacking anything. And the Apostle Paul would attest to that. That is, again, it's, you're not a second-class citizen in the kingdom at all. Even though they were single, they experienced the blessings of God just like any believer. Now, that doesn't mean you won't ever be lonely. John the Baptist, the Apostle Paul, even Jesus experienced times of terrible loneliness in their lives. Of course, you can be married and feel lonely as well. If the relationship is not going as well as you had hoped, or your spouse is not a believer, you can experience that loneliness too. But they experienced loneliness. John the Baptist, when he was in prison, felt separated from everything and everyone, and he certainly felt lonely. Paul, in the last days and weeks of his life, wrote that he felt uh, completely abandoned by everyone. You can read the loneliness in the words and sense how lonely he was. Jesus himself would often disconnect from the disciples because he had to, because he's God incarnate, and they just didn't get it. And he would spend hours with his heavenly Father alone, but on the cross in particular, even though there was a disciple there, John, even though his mother was there and there was a multitude of people, he alone was bearing the sins of the world. You talk about loneliness. He could no longer sense the presence of his heavenly father and begin that quote of Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He felt lonely. But that doesn't mean any of them were incomplete just because you feel lonely. So you're going to feel that from time to time. But you can still have completeness in Christ. And what you'll find is that loneliness will come and it will go. When I graduated from seminary, I was eager to begin pastoring. Unfortunately, no church would hire me because I wasn't married. I was in my 20s. And it would be many years before I met my wife, Cherry, and, and uh, I was so frustrated. I had a master's degree and couldn't get even the smallest churches out there to hire me. And so I would send my resumes to the associational directors. We have associations in the Southern Baptist Convention. The, all, every state and every area is divided into different associations. So I would send it to the associational directors and I would call them every week or two or month or two, and I would say, did anybody receive my resume? I'm not getting any calls. And they would all say the same thing. Well, they're looking for a family man. They're looking for a married man, which is ironic because if you're Roman Catholic, you have to be single. And if you're Southern Baptist, apparently you have to be married. And so I was frustrated with that. They didn't understand. I felt they didn't understand. Well, uh, they wanted a family man. And I thought, well, you do know that Jesus was single. Paul was single. You, you do know that, don't you? What about that? Were they not family men? So I want you to, to consider that. The, the gift of being single, it may be your gift. Now, here's the thing. If you have the gift of being married, that's a lifelong gift. Being single may be a lifelong gift for you. 
And it may just be for a period of time, but even if it's for a period of time, in two years, in two months, or two weeks, or two days, God only knows, maybe you'll end up meeting the person you're going to marry. But for now, for today, see it as God's gift for you. And I'll tell you why in just a moment. The second thing you want to think about is the calling of being single. The gift of being single and the calling of being single. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 17, our passage for this morning, our verse for this morning says, Paul says, Nevertheless, each one should retain the place in life that the Lord has signed to him and to which God has called him. This is the rule I lay down in all the churches. Now, again, if you took this out of context, or if you didn't have any idea what Paul's talking about in chapter 7, you can apply this to all kinds of things, but it is important to know that Paul here is talking about being single. And he says, each of you should retain the place in life that where God has assigned him. We live in a culture where the grass is always greener on the other side. We live in a culture that teaches the opposite of this. Never be satisfied where you are. Never be satisfied with what you have. Always live a life of dissatisfaction. And Paul says, no, 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 no. You should retain the place in life where God has assigned you and to which God has called you. He says, I lay down this rule everywhere I go. It's a rule. It's important that we understand that. Paul is telling us here, God, not your marital status, defines your life. Christ should be your identity, not if we're single or if we're married. Being single, Christ satisfies our life. And it may or may not be a calling for the rest of your life, but if you're single today, it is your, God's calling on you for today. God only knows whether it will be life long or not. Young people who have never been married, listen to me. Don't you for a moment feel the pressure from this culture, this world, or even your family once you get out of high school to get a ring on your finger as fast as you can. Don't give in to that so that you can fit into the world around you. It is not a race, and there is no shortage of single people out there of every age. There's plenty of time. Right now, take advantage of the less stressful life that you have, and yes, your life is less stressful without a spouse, without kids, without a mortgage, without cars to pay for and keep up, and all the things that come with family life, your life is less stressful than it will be. Thank God for the time that you have now as a single person. Now, I'm not saying you have it easy. You don't have it easy. I know there are all kinds of pressures and stresses on your life, but it is less complicated than it will be. Enjoy that because it, you know, later on, it's going to be a challenge. I know I told you this before. My best friend when I was in seminary was married. He was my buddy. I was single. He was married. I knew his wife well. She was all often there. And usually I was at their home and she was always there. But he told me one time, he said, and I won't mention his name in case he's watching online. He said, Lee, 
And I know I've shared this. He said, Lee, when I was single, all I could think about was being married. Now that I'm married, all I can think about is being single. <laughs> and so enjoy where God has placed you right here, right now. Take advantage of that. Interestingly, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 28, Paul says this. This is later in the chapter. He says, but if you do marry, you've not sinned. Well, thank you, Paul, for making that clear. It's okay. Those of you who are married, you're not sinning. Or you didn't sin when you got married, at least. He said, if you do marry, that's not wrong. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. That's okay. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life. And I want to spare you this. Now, I don't know what troubles that they have. I know that they had troubles, even though they had no electric bill to pay. They had no gas bill to pay. They had no gasoline bill to pay. They had no car repairs to make. Um, so their stresses were not as bad as ours. Their complications were not as bad as ours, although they had challenges as well. If you got into debt back then, if you get into debt today, you declare bankruptcy if you can't get out of debt or you just charge up your credit card. Back then, if you were in debt and you couldn't get out of debt, you had to sell yourself into slavery or your family into slavery. So I guess that would be a pressure, certainly. But he says, Paul says, I, I, I want to spare you this. He says, my life, by the way, I get the impression, we get the impression, I'm not alone in this, that Paul was probably a widower. He had been married once in his life. He's not married. He's seen the pressures and the challenges of, of marriage and the blessings of marriage. And now he is, he is experiencing the blessing and the gift of singleness. And he says, you know what? My life is much simpler now. It's less complicated now than it once was. Widows and widowers. Don't feel like your life is basically over because you're now single. While we don't know for sure, we think Paul was, again, probably a widower. And look what God accomplished in his life as a widower, as a single man. I know you miss your spouse. God put that longing on you. He made you that way. But God will sustain you. He will give your life completeness in Christ. Your life and your purpose are not over. When my daddy died, my mother lived another 10 years or so before she passed. That's a long time just to sit around and do nothing. And mom did not do that. She poured her heart out and focused on her kids and her grandkids and her church. She was so faithful to her church. She knew that God had her here still for a reason and for a purpose. Let me tell you, had mom died at the same time that dad did, I don't think I could have bared that. I needed my mother. God knew we weren't quite ready to go through life without a mother or a father. It would take some time. And I'm so thankful for God's plan there. God had a purpose for, his, for her life, and God has a purpose for your life even if your spouse is gone. Your life is not over. So listen to me. Young people who have never married, widows and widowers, God has a purpose. Are you divorced? 
God has not canceled his plans for you. Your spouse may have canceled your relationship with them, but God has not canceled anything with you. He still has a point and a purpose for you in your life. Move forward. Move on. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you need to fix yourself or repair your life by getting remarried again as soon as possible. Nor does it mean that God has lessened his love for you now that you're divorced. If you are in Christ, you are not broken and you are not alone. If you read all of chapter 7, you'll realize, again, Paul had a clear bias towards singleness. He doesn't want you to be divorced, but if you are divorced, Paul would say, relish this time. This season in your life, whether it's permanent or temporary, relish it. Look for what God wants you to do in the midst of it. If you are married, by the way, no, God doesn't want you to be single. If you're sitting out there married thinking, you're right, my life is so complicated. I have so many debts and problems. I I think I picked the single. No, sorry, you already made that decision. If you are single... Don't worry about the stigma. Don't worry about everyone else trying to fix you. God's not trying to do that. He's trying to transform you. Focus on the blessings and the calling that God has on your life today. Pray with me. Father, as we come to you today, first of all, we thank you for the gift of singleness. And help us to understand that in a way that's not patronizing or try that, that it is genuinely a gift from you for those who are single. And we may not feel like it's a gift sometimes, but your word makes it very clear. It is a gift from you. In this day, in this season of our life, for those of us who are single, thank you for that gift. Help us to embrace it and not resent it. Help us to receive it from you and not be hurt by it. Now, Father, I know that there are widows and widowers here and they desperately miss their husband or their wife. And they always will. We place that longing in their heart, that connection for some of them for 20, 30, 40, 50 years or more. And they're struggling to adjust to life outside of that marriage relationship but I know that they are loved by you. That in time, in Christ, they'll see their spouse again. But they're still here. You have a purpose for them right now, still, just as you did for my mother. How many lives can be affected and changed even or especially because they're single? I understand, and we understand, that Paul's life needed to be less complicated in that area because there's so many things that you wanted to do through him in the churches, in your kingdom. And it may be the same for many people here today. For some, they'll have the gift of singleness all their life. They've never been married and they never will be married. And that's okay. It may not be okay to our culture and our society, we know it's okay in your eyes. 
according to your perfect plan. For many of them who have never been married, the day will come, as it did for me and for so many others. Whether in a year, a month, a decade, only you know. But during this season, during this time, may their blessings, may, may your blessings be on them. And may they spend this time growing in you, becoming stronger in you, so that when they get married, their marriage will be even healthier and happier. As you're praying, no one's looking around. Can I challenge you to do this? For those of you who are single, you've never been married, you're divorced, or you're a widow or a widower, say, God, thank you for the gift of my singleness today. And sometimes it may not feel like a gift, but Paul says it's a gift. Say, God, in your heart, say, God, thank you for this gift. Help me to see it as a gift. And I pray your blessings in my life through this gift. For all of you, I want you to know there's a reason for God placing you where he has placed you in whatever season of your life you're in. Say, God, help me to discover that. Help me to find my place in Christ. And maybe there, you want to come to kneel and pray, or you want to pray for somebody that's close to you. And maybe you're like those ladies in that video that you've been pressuring somebody around you, you've been trying to fix them just because they're single. And you want to say, God, forgive me for that. I'm going to stop doing that. I'm going to start praying only that your will is done for that person that I care about. Maybe God is calling you or your family to join with First Baptist Church. You want to come down and say, Pastor, we'd like to join today. Or like this young lady, you want to come down and say, Lord, I, I want to give my life to you. I want to give my life to Christ. I want to be baptized as well. Just come up and say, Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus. If God is calling or you just want to come and kneel and pray, this invitation is for you. As you pray, would you stand? All heads are bowed, all eyes are closed. And as you stand and as you pray right now, you come.